Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I am one of your hosts, Freddy, also known as Nighty Night, and alongside me we have Prince. Oh snap. Oh no. Once again, I'm just chilling. I'm just chilling. What's going on, man? <laughs> I think I introduced you instead of you introduced me. I know. A little weird. A little <laughs> weird, but I'm into it. I'm into it. And on the other side, we have David. Spoopy boys. Oh, I already forgot. I already messed up. Uh, no, Prince is also known as Head Knight. <laughs> and David oh, is also known as Knightly. You know, are- Freddie, when you introduced yourself, my bad. I just got to say no, this. Good. Every time you're like, this is... Freddie, but I always think you're going to say, this is Prince. But I'm like, no, that's not right. (laughs) That ain't it. (laughs) That ain't it. But maybe one day. Never mind. Who knows? Who knows? We might might trade bodies, reanimator. Who knows? (laughs) That could happen. But we are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and the passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down and discuss the ultimate question, why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife. And that's a night with a what? K. (laughs) Nice. I love it. By pledging on Patreon, you will also have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. This movie that we have just watched is Paranorman, which is our last movie of our Little Nightmares Month. Just want to announce that next month we are proud to introduce the Creature Feature Month, also starring the first movie of that month, The Thing. So, let's talk about Paranorman. First and foremost, thoughts. The old, ye old question. Uh, (laughs) I gotta go first, Prince. I'm sorry. No, jump into this bad boy. This is your first time watching this, right? Yeah. Oh, and nice. I, I hated how much oh. I loved it. Ooh, I threw you off. Oh, the boy. <laughs> you scared me. No, there. I actually well, love how much I loved here. it. Um, yeah, so I love this movie so much. I actually uh, rented it on iTunes, and immediately after watching it, I hit up you Apple Support, it. and I hit, I said to them, "I am so sorry. I rented this by accident. I meant to buy it." I am not even playing. I straight up was like, hell no. Give my money back for running this. I'm going to buy it. Um, wow. And they got back to, back to me quick. But, yo, I, I feel like I've seen you mention this movie before, Prince. Um, so I assume that you are a big fan of this movie. Oh, Man, my God, am I. I love it. It's it's. I think this is the best movie out of this month's theme of Little Nightmares. Wow. It, it's yeah, I it knocked it out of the park for me. I love the stop motion animation. Agree. It looks so beautiful. I think it looks better than Coraline. Uh, but, you know, Whoa. that's my personal opinion. I'm not saying that I'm right in saying that, but I just prefer it. Um, I <laughs> no, think the right. pacing <laughs> in this movie is incredible. Um, I think the spoopy visual effects are great. Like when the witch is in the sky and the ghostly green hands ah. come down gave me scooby-doo zombie island vibes of like oh yeah, yeah that looks nice um and i love how it really um shows the viewer that like hey just because someone's an adult or someone in authority doesn't mean they mm-hmm. can't be stupid and wrong and even right. if you're a kid and you feel alone and you feel like no one's on your side it doesn't mean you're wrong 
you know, and you, mm-hmm. you can be someone special. I feel like there's a lot of important lessons here, right? Especially we'll go into it, but like the mob mentality and, and just really being right. an individual and thinking for your own and holding yourself accountable, man, this, this movie just for children's horror, especially man, give it past a plus, give it a rank S it's just, it's great. I love it. I, love I that. adore this fucking movie. And Hell I was yeah. even I was even telling Freddie last night because last night Freddie was texting me and we were I was checking on his status, seeing how things were going, and like there there are things in this movie where I'm just like, ooh man, for the times, all right, I all right, you know, like right. there's a line in there with the, with the cops and and uh, initially she was just like like oh the c- civilians shouldn't shoot civilians, that's the cops' job or something like that, and it, it's like like kind of harsh lines like that, but yeah. um, even then. I absolutely adore this fucking movie and it is something about how how absolutely odd this movie is. Mm-hmm. And, That's a good way and to this put is, it. This is to me personally this is the perfect movie for a kid who's turning 11 or 12 or 13 um and initially this is a great introduction to like yo let that freak flag high, like let it hang, dude. Like it's completely fine. Like just, just know you're not alone in this. Like people get rich for being fucking weird. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like it is completely fine to be odd and to be different. And I love that in this story. And pair, I want to almost call him paranormal, but Norman is such a fascinating character in general to me because he is a, like not a nerd but like he is bullied because he is alone but right. here's the thing about being alone he's not lonely he likes to be alone and that to me is so important for a child to know like it's okay to be by yourself sometimes like it, it's not there's nothing wrong with that and i always thought something was wrong with me when i always wanted to be by myself when i was a kid and Seeing seeing paranormal because I saw paranormal when I was probably I want to say I was maybe in my twenties uh, when I first saw this. And I saw it in theaters when it came out in two thousand twenty twelve. Yeah, and um, when I saw it, I, I saw it with, with uh, my girlfriend at the time, also now my wife. <laughs> Ooh, that was close, but <laughs> close call. Um, but I saw it with my wife at the, and, and I remember when we got out of it, we were just like that was okay kind of thing we we weren't blown away and then we watched it again and we were just like no we we missed it like we missed the whole point like this movie's fucking rad like it's just it's so 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 good and it's easily one of my favorite lacoste films of all time and i love kubo and i love Coraline, and, and Coraline's a great movie as well but it's something about paranorman where initially the ending's not happy like it, it's just kind of a neutral ending it's like it's not really a happy ending. Like people are still dead. People are still like, like sure their their souls moved on, but it, like this isn't technically supposed to be a happy ending. This is supposed to be a neutral ending, right. and it felt like that. And it's it's such a beautiful way that this whole movie, to me personally, is depicted with like, uh, with the friend Neil and how Neil kind of stuck by his side, and even though like they didn't really know each other. But uh, Neil like knew him through passing and felt bad for him, and and it's funny because Neil looked like the one who should have been getting yeah. the main 
person to be picked on. But he was so fucking dope because he was just like, he was like, oh, why do they pick on you? Because I'm fat. And he was like, like Name super nonchalant about it. Yeah. Dude. Shout yeah. He was like, like, cause I'm fat. Cause I have asthma. Cause I, I'm like, <laughs> shout out to Neil, dude. Like, wow. Neil's such good shit. vibes. Like, jolly, jolly character. And usually, straight He's awesome. up, when I see a character like Neil, I get scared because I'm like, I'm going to love this character and this movie is going to make it out that i'm gonna feel so bad because he gets picked on but he's like right. nah, i don't give a fuck <laughs> and i love right. that i'm like dude i love neil, you, neil. is so dope and yeah. even his brother mitch is also like you assume he's gonna be the jock asshole and right. he's fucking awesome he loves his little brother yeah for sure and like it, it's so interesting seeing that and the fact that he's openly gay yeah oh my god i called also it chef's kiss dude like, yeah. it, it's just it's this is another thing to also let you know where one they don't do this thing where they try to kind of queer bait you a little bit right where uh courtney is really on mitch a lot like she's, she's super attracted to mitch she's trying to see him like on his towel hold his chest and all yeah. this other stuff she's right. really really like thirsty <laughs> right when but, um <laughs> right when they met i was like yo i think he's gay and i don't mean that in a disrespectful yeah. way but i just feel like that's where they're going and i literally thought to myself right. like i wish this wouldn't be the case that i'm thinking this but this is a kid's movie so they're probably not going to go there and they did they and i'm there and like you said prince chef's kiss like bravo we need that representation everywhere so it becomes normalized. Sure. So it's not yeah. a big exactly. deal when it happens. And this was the most normal way they could have done it because he was just like, oh, like my boyfriend's going to love you. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like, it wasn't you're, you're going like, to love my boyfriend. Exactly. It wasn't, I'm gay. I can't date you. It's like, oh, yeah. Right. We, we, we like bonded he, after this adventure. You'll love my boyfriend. Exactly. Right. And I love how, like, I love how they both. They had this bond and, and things like that. But on top of that, he was also just like hella faithful. Like, <laughs> yeah, like true. he didn't take any of her cues as sexual. He yeah. didn't take them as her persuading him. Yeah. And he just like kind of ignored her and was just like, like, I got my man. Like, I'm good. Like, right. you know what for I'm all, saying? For all we know, maybe he wasn't gay. Maybe he's bisexual or pansexual. Exactly. You know, you never know. Just you because know. he said he had a boyfriend doesn't necessarily mean he's gay. He could also right. be bi or pan. Sure. Exactly. I, I absolutely adore this movie and this movie took a lot of risk and granted, I will admit that this is probably one of the most, not, not the least liked cause missing link is the least liked, but this is definitely up there with like box trolls and missing link, which sucks. It really sucks that this is a part of, and those aren't bad either. Like it just sucks that, that, that all of those are considered low standard Lacoste films when, the high standard ones are Corpse Bride and um, I don't even think Corpse Bride is a little hot, but I don't know, whatever. <laughs> but like Corpse Bride, Coraline sure. and um, stuff like that. Like Kubo. those are the pinnacles. Yeah. Like those are the ones. Uh, yeah. And Kubo. And it just it, it bums me out to see that not a lot of people give this movie a lot of love except for horror fans. And granted, this plays to all horror fans. Like we get oh, for sure. two cameos. We get Halloween theme song, right. and then we get Jason. And it's yep. just it's fucking it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Like it, it, you know, it's, it's everything that I wanted it to be. And granted, they give us the most popular. Uh, it, I, the other paper. I'll say this last thing, and I'll sorry, I, I'm blabbing, but I obviously love this movie <laughs> so much. But the only other piece of media for a kid that's modern that I've seen ha has done that was um, the new remake of Are You Afraid of the Dark? 
And in that particular remake, one of the coolest fucking things is their middle school that they go to. They go to Herbert West Middle School. If you guys remember who Herbert West is from our previous episodes of, uh, I want to say it was A Walk Down Horror Lane, Reanimator, that is the name of the main character in Reanimator, Herbert West. That is so fucking cool. And it's such a deep cut. And it's just so, so, so good. Oh. I just I just had to thank you. I mean, it's kind of funny that I'm saying this because, you know, I'm on a horror podcast show, horror movie podcast show. I am so happy that I just found out there's a Are You Afraid of the Dark remake. Oh, my God. I didn't know you didn't know that. Oh, it I just came like, out on DVD. Oh, my God. Yes, that it's DVD. three episodes. It, the DVD it's, goodness. It's about three hours. It, it's so good. So good. And one, it, honestly, I couldn't have wanted it better. Is it's it fantastic. Nick? Is it Nickelodeon, yeah, Nickelodeon doing it? Oh shit! Mm-hmm. All right, I'm a, I'm a, I know what I'm doing tonight. Yeah, <laughs> and I think uh, uh, Cassiel Raphael, the guy who was in oh, Blind wow. Spotting, who's yeah. David Diggs' like best friend. Yeah, he's in it. He's, he's the great. main villain. Oh my god, that's cool! And it's so good. He eats a fucking cockroach. It is dope, dude. It is so good. Like honestly, I I didn't expect it to be that good. I'm and excited. I know we're going a little bit off tangent, but. Even the kid from It, um, uh, Ben, the kid who plays Ben. He's in also it, in it? Chapter one. Love that. He's also in it. Love that. And he wears a shirt that says, uh, I think it says, like, do you like horror movies or some shit like that? Like, it was like a horror movie innuendo shirt. And they even start talking about the fucking changeling in Damn. the, in the wow. shirt. Like, it, it, it's such, it was a, such a love letter to, to us. Yeah. Love that. Like, like, and, and not even just to horror fans, but, to us as kids because we grew up with this so eventually we probably expanded into more horror like it was such a love letter towards just like if you're a fan of are you afraid of the dark you probably expanded over the years this is for you and i love it i oh my god god sorry Freddie, what do you changeling what a great movie (laughs) on the same page as both of you that this movie is definitely one of my favorites of this company because they do talk about a lot of heavy subjects, but they have a lot of great life lessons in this. And it pretty much just tells you to even like other people are scared of you or because you're different. doesn't mean you don't belong, that there's always going to be someone there that's going to be there for you that cares for you and you should embrace who you are. And that's what Neil's character is. He's pretty much the mental health of what Norman has to become. Like, yeah. There's a lot of like examples of just being accepted of who you are, no matter where you come from or how you think or how you perceive stuff in life. Mm-hmm. And Norman goes through that change. It's definitely a uh, growing up film. It's um, it's one of those greats where it's just like you're learning with Norman. Like a coming of age story. For sure. Coming of age story. Yeah. Um, great visuals. I love the aesthetic of everything. I love how this movie opens. Oh, we'll talk about that too. Gorgeous. Uh, this gorgeous. is for sure a love letter to horror as well, but it just teaches you so much and it's so important. And, it's, and subjects that I really care about me personally, because I think like mental health is everything. And we get Absolutely. this Amen, resolution brother. at the end, even though it's not like a super happy ending, it's kind of like her being at rest with knowing that she doesn't have to react the same way people react to her just because of who she is right. and what happened to her. 
So, I mean, it was just closure. It's one of those like very, very lovely stories that you don't expect out of this movie, out of a kid's movie, if that. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, we'll get into it. That's interesting. I just want to throw in really quickly because for me, I considered it a happy ending. I actually was, I literally like finished the movie and I was like, wow, that was a pretty happy ending. It's still sad because of the outcome itself, but there's a resolution to it, at least. So, I so saw here, it. Here, here's the thing as of why I consider it a neutral ending. And it's more so they learned a lot out of it, but they just kind of went back to their lives. You know, like, and you could tell Mitch wasn't going to try to be his friend. Like he was already on to the next girls or whatever. And he was then using him. He was he was using him as leverage to get to these girls or whatever. He's like, oh yeah, I know, I know Norman. We, we hang out all the time. We have a blog and blah blah blah. Oh, and you mean Alvin? Y- Alvin, Alvin yeah. yeah, yeah. And gotcha. uh, but he was using he was using Norman. Um, yeah, not Mitch. Sorry, um, but he was using Norman as like kind of that bait. Oh yeah, yeah in yeah. a way, and and like you could tell it was just like they were just going to go on with their lives after this. But it was initially the concept was just like I just love the fact that it was just you, you die but you don't really go anywhere unless you like have this promise or this purpose that you need to fulfill or whatever and the fact that john fucking goodman was in this shit (laughs) so good like come on Um, mr pendergast ah but yeah god damn it really quickly because i saw it as like aggie got to move on and i would think be with her mother um norman's family is going to be more understanding of his psychic abilities right or sixth sense and they won't give him a hard time about it anymore um also alvin i would imagine would not pick on him as much anymore because the whole thing was he was a freak because he says he talks to dead people but it's been the whole town knows that's a reality um Mm -hmm. and you know well the whole town believed in the curse yeah, but like now they they believe Norman, right? Because every it seemed it was very clear that everyone in the town saw him as a like a weirdo because sure. he claimed they he saw had him the as Mister Pendergrass. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, but now I feel a like young version they they understand that they were wrong, and and it's so funny because there was a moment in the movie where Norman speaks out to the town, and then his sister chimes in, and I and they all came to understand and i said to myself man if only real life was like this <laughs> right but i, I think i, I mean think it might norman, be for a little town yeah but i think norman post this movie will lead a lot happier life where he's more accepted and you know especially by his family because like that's supposed to be a sanctuary and, and it, it, i felt like yeah. we got right. a glimpse of that that's true definitely mm. true so yeah, I guess we'll just jump right into it. So, of course, movie that we watch, Paranorman. It was directed by Chris Butler and Sam Fell. Was released August seventeenth, two thousand twelve, with a runtime of one hour and thirty two minutes. Budget for this movie was sixty million dollars, and the box office score of hundred and seven million dollars, and currently sits at eighty eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Not bad. It's not bad. No, it's actually yeah. really good. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. It deserved more money, but no. Yeah, that's what I was, exactly right. what I was going to say, Prince. Forty-seven million. Yeah, that's not bad. But I get it. A, a lot of parents don't want to take their kids to see this. That's true too. Like, like you know, obviously me, I'm going to take my kids if I can see this. Hell yeah, <laughs> really? Like, once my kids like eleven, I'm like, all right, 
let's get you into some movies. Like, come on, we're, we're going to check out Paranorman. We're going to check out Coraline. You know, we're, well, right. let's get you into this. Nice little Lakoff so, yeah. uh, marathon. Absolutely. Start or small. Yeah. Missing link. Work our way up. Oh. Backwards. <laughs> and then the opening. So we open to the words feature presentation in this really cool retro style old school movie theater format. And we also see that the aspect ratio is different too, like the old times too. Uh, so cool. We cut to black and we see this awesome old school 80s horror saying focus features appearing on the screen in an old red horror font. And then it changes to La Caw in the same font. Uh, opening scene begins with a bitten brain on the ground and we see a lady in heels accidentally backing up and stepping on it. She notices it and then starts to scream and runs towards the front door, still having a piece of the brain still stuck to her foot. As soon as she opens the door, she is greeted by this awesome looking zombie with his brain sticking out. She screams quickly and closes the door. We get this awesome shot of her on the, of her back against the door and the zombie breaks through the door with his hands, then feet, then his head all sticking out through the door. Uh, we see her fall and get back up and the zombie is getting closer to her and she lets out a scream for a good long while. She stops and then screams again in a very B-movie fashion and even looks at the camera before doing so. <laughs> I do want to point out that is so classic look like uh, it's fantastic. It, it, this is the first time where like I started laughing really hard. I don't know about you guys, but I was like, "This movie, oh, is yeah, great. this is hilarious." I was like, "This is a and great on top start of that, that, smacks the microphone out of the way." Yeah, right. <laughs> but like on top of that, she thick, right? Like she, they very much are showing off her thighs, her butt, and it's like very <laughs> much true. horror movie tropes like that. Didn't I mention that too, Freddie? Like you everyone me about seems that. to have like a big ass butt, butt in this yeah, movie. Every female, yeah. Everybody, like it's crazy. Yeah. Like, right. Four C's, very <laughs> thick. Dang, four C's! Oh my goodness! <laughs> you know that animation. Uh, <laughs> we get a very nice close-up of her face, and then the zombie's face facing off each other, and then the shot of her continuing to scream, and then we also see the boom mic get into the frame and her pushing it to a <laughs> side. We cut back to the zombie striking towards her, and then we cut to Black hearing a crunching sound, assuming that she gets eaten. We hear, what is happening now? And then open to a new shot of Norman, played by Cody Smith McPhee, and his grandma all sitting on the couch watching the horror movie. He explains to his grandma that the zombie is eating her brains. She responds, that's not very nice, and <laughs> it'll ruin his dinner. <laughs> Love that. Uh, uh, I think at this part, though, when we see the grandma, is she like, uh, does she have like her ghostly gl glow going on? Yes. Or we don't, right? Or she does? Well, she, it, it's she dark. She kind of does, but it's but not it really that known yet. Correct. Because yeah. I feel like after we get told that she's a ghost, then we see it more Yeah, we get the confirmation of it for sure. Right. Got it. No, I love that, too. It's a great way to play out the movie. Um, his dad, Perry, played by Jeff Garland, enters the room asking Norman to take out the garbage. As his dad leaves, his grandma asks him to tell him to turn up the thermostat because her feet are getting cold. Norman enters the kitchen, and we are also introduced to Norman's mom, Sandra, played by Leslie Mann. She asks what normal, uh, no Norman is watching, and he responds, Sex and violence, <laughs> with confusion. <laughs> she just responds, Oh, that's so nice. Good. <laughs> Of She's course. like, oh, that's nice. I don't know what kids watch these days, I guess. I mean, hey, he was truthful, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Norman starts to pick up the garbage, and we see his sister, Courtney, played by Anna Kendrick, come into the house talking on the phone. Norman, trying to get past her, gets pushed out of the way outside, and he comes back angry. He asks his dad to turn up the heating uh, for her... for his grandmother, uh, for his grandma is getting cold. As his dad was on top of a stool trying to fix a light bulb, he almost falls and ends up breaking the bulb on the ground. His dad explains that his grandma is dead and why he keeps talking to her, and he responds that it's because she talks back. I gotta say, I don't An know answer. about you guys feeling know, about right? this. Norman has the greatest comebacks in this movie. It's fantastic yeah, answers. Down. Hands down. But you know it's like it's because like so many people just give him attitude and sass. And that's the sad thing about it. But like, yeah, he has great comebacks. And it immediately it makes the movie fun to watch right from the get-go. You don't need to right. build up Absolutely. to anything. It, it feels like Absolutely. like you were saying that he's been through a lot of stuff where he knows how to come back with those scenes yeah. and stuff like that. So it's kind of like a defense mechanism at this point, And he's really good at it. Mm-hmm. That's a good call out. Uh, Courtney says that he's lying and to prove his innocence he says that grandma says to, it's not ladylike to have a shirtless photo of the high school quarterback in the <laughs> underwear drawer <laughs> she gets <laughs> like, mad oh, and eventually thirsty. storms off <laughs> That's great. She, I think she even calls him like a little perv too, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it sounds like he went through her underwear drawer at that right. point. Right. Right. I mean, he, he did make it seem that way. It's <laughs> but definitely the first. It's mainly because they joke. didn't believe him. Yeah. So bad. What a movie. Uh, his mom explains that he must move on and his grandma is in a better place. He then responds, No, she's not. She's in the living room. Again. <laughs> great I love response. That. This yeah, I know, movie. right? She's it's so spot. funny. He's so funny. Yeah. He's so witty, and I love how clever his comebacks are. And it's just like, God damn it! Even even that kid, because Cody Cody did a lot. Like Cody Smith McPhee did so much during this time frame. Like I think he was just a part of like all these different types of of just very odd types of movies. Like he was part of The Road. Um, he did let me in as well, and he's just he he was just in so many different types of things that just made his type of character of what we would probably gradually see him play because uh, eventually he did play like in in uh, X Men right wasn't he like Nightcrawler or something? Um, but initially seeing him grow has been just the coolest fucking shit ever. And he's honestly, he's one of my favorite arcs of all time when it comes to like celebrities, because he it's just how he started out as like this childhood actor into the person he's becoming in today. It's just like, oh, man, kudos to him. It's good to hear when Dolomite Dolomite is my name. And he was good in that. It's good to hear because a lot of time, a lot of times you hear like, oh, child actors don't really make it and. Their occurs flop, right. so that's really great to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, then we cut to his parents start to argue about how Norman should be feeling about the subject. We cut to outside of the house, and we can still hear them arguing, and then we see Norman in the bedroom window. We cut to his bedroom, and Norman is playing with some zombie action figures while trying to ignore his parents arguing. We get this nice look around his room and then see a bunch of zombie posters. He then comes to the door listening on his parents' conversation. His dad says that he doesn't want him to turn out like his uncle. His mom explains that no one had anything to do with his uncle, uh, Prendergast, played by John Goodman, in years. 
and that he probably doesn't even know what Norman looks like at this point. It's and I uh, it's up to you guys, but I feel like listening to them argue had a great impact on like what I used to like think about like when my parents are used to argue with like my actions. I don't know if you guys had the same type of childhood, but it's kind of like a heartbreaking moment. It was like he's just listening on how he's behaving and how he should act, and just hearing that mm. come from your own parents. I, I that scene mm. kind of got to me. I was like. I've been there. That's a little sad. I can see how that could be the case. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting for both David and I because we we had single parents. Sure. But, um, I mean, I I would hear like my brother, you know, like talking shit, but nothing, <laughs> nothing, nothing along that lines. <laughs> but that's just me personally. But I don't I don't know if David, if you're in the same boat, but. Yeah. Uh, not really. Like, I mean, I, that's why I said I could imagine how that could be the case. But for me, it was like, like you said, Prince, single parent and working during the day. And it was mostly right. if it's going to if it's going to be said, it's going to be said to me. Right. But that's because exactly. of the dynamic that was set up. So Freddie, stop being a badass kid. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a good kid. Sometimes. Most of the time. Uh, we transitioned to a picture of Norman. We see hands of an old man who begin to cough and drop the, drops the photo on the desk filled with other pictures of Norman. He says, not much time. We get a cold close-up of his eyes and repeats, not much time. He groans. Wait, and, real quick, yeah, real yeah. quick. Hold on. Uh, uh, David, since this was your first time seeing this, what did you, what did you expect? Like, wh- wh- like when you first saw all the pictures of, of Norman and all that stuff in this guy's room, oh, yeah. you didn't know this was Pendergast at this time. So, like, what did you expect, like, in that moment? Like, like, who the fuck is this guy? Well, I actually did think, like, oh, this is probably the guy's uncle because it, like, followed oh, okay. up right after that. So Damn, I did you're, think you're, that. You're smart, it, smart. Yeah. Got it. Okay. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I, otherwise I'd be creeped out for sure. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I would hope it's his uncle and not some random person for sure. Uh, he begins to groan, grabs his chest, and then t- uh, tries to grab some pills and is able to take some of them. Uh, we pan over to the pen board filled with a lot more things connecting to Norman. We get this amazing zoom in shot into one of the photos on the board, transitioning us into the forest, which is a great shot. That was great filmmaking right there. Um, Absolutely. And then that's when we see the title spin into the screen in this beautiful green and purple gradient color, and the movie begins. Fantastic. Uh, we open up with Norman waking up to his zombie alarm, and I totally want that alarm. That looks so sick. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude! Dude, it's awesome. Uh, oh, everything, his aesthetic, dude. Right. Like, it, there's two aesthetics that I really love in cartoons: Hey Arnold's Room and Paranormans. Oh hell like, yeah, dude. dude! Hey Arnold's Room, oh, classic. My God, I think so this whole good. like morning routine shots were like fantastic because kind of like um. What's the movie we saw with Simon Pegg? Why am I forgetting this? Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. Just like that, he's groaning like a zombie as he powers off the alarm. Kind of like how we get the morning shot of Shaun waking up and groaning like a zombie as well. Uh, I was like, this is a fantastic throwback. Good callback. Yeah. Uh, We even see him get ready for his day and brushes his teeth and acts like a zombie with the soap or with the toothpaste in his mouth. Uh, downstairs, he waves at his dead grandma and gets caught by his sister, and then Courtney sees that no one is there. He, lifts, he leaves his house and starts walking down the street. 
while walking to the school, Norman is getting multiple people that we can't see. Or sorry, he's greeting multiple people that we can't see. We eventually see a person walking by and Norman doesn't say anything to them and just walks by him. We catch, uh, we caught to, uh, we, we cut to Norman of what appears to him petting a dead raccoon on the street and a couple looking at him strangely. We continue seeing him greeting no one and the camera pan, pan, uh, pans around him and now revealing what he is seeing, which is a bunch of ghosts around him. Uh, and I just put here that we get some amazing designs of ghosts that hint on the way they died. An example is a monster that has a cement brick around his feet with a bunch of ghost fish around him, and it seems to be like a mafia member. And someone who landed in a tree He's with like, a parachute. Forget about it. <laughs> which I, I love. It's They tell a story by so just good. the visuals itself. It's beautiful. And the person in the tree, dude, like you can see like the branches sticking yeah, through them. And I was like, I know. did they get impaled? Like, oh, my God. Like, oh, some of them were stupid gruesome. <laughs> yeah, and I love it because it's love it. animated. They can definitely it. get away with it. Kind exactly. of like yeah. what I said about... They're not showing any blood. Yeah, kind of what I said about, like, Scooby-Doo Zombie Islands. Like, if this movie was live action, yeah, it'd be wild to see. Oh, fuck. Yeah, so we cut to a sign that reads, Welcome to Blint Hollow, a great place to hang. <laughs> With a drawing of a couple with a hung witch all waving. <laughs> Love it. I remember seeing that. I was like, oh, damn. That's a little much yeah. for this movie, isn't right. it? It's a little overboard for I mean, sure. It, it is. And initially, like, obviously for them, it was the more so the, the concept of like, hey, this is kind of like Salem. And, yeah. you know, we, we hung witches here and, and all this whole other right. stuff. But because Salem plays really hard on the witch theme shit. Like they Mm -hmm. still do that in Massachusetts. And uh, because even like for Salem Film Festival and all that stuff, like they play like super hard on all that stuff. There's even stores that are like dedicated to it. So it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, But like, I think, I think they got rid of the nooses a long time ago though. Like they, but like you saw it in this movie and you're just like, oof. Yeah. That's a choice. (laughs) Kind of That's a choice. Speaking upon that, it doesn't age well at all. It yeah, doesn't, doesn't age well at all. Oh, for sure. But like it, yeah. I'm sure if it was up to them, they probably wouldn't have added it to as often or said it as much. But yeah. And kind of what you were speaking on too. So the next thing is, uh, we pan to the side, revealing a restaurant called Witchy Wieners and a store called TV World <laughs> and another couple uh, witch themed stores. So kind of like that. They're celebrating their history of the town and the witchcraft that happened in there and then the hanging, of course. Uh, We see Norman continue walking to school, now passing a lot more alive people, but doesn't really greet any of them as well. And I do like that contrast that every time he sees a dead person, he greets them and talks to them and has a conversation with them. But every time he passes someone who's alive, he doesn't say anything. It's just like, that's great because it really shows like, who he really likes to interact with because he doesn't really like the living because they see him as a freak, which is sad. Exactly. Yeah, he doesn't like the living because they don't fucking like him. Exactly. So he's just like, all right, I'm going to chill with the homies that like me then. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we get that pretty much right here. So we see him in front of the school and all the kids start to look at him with some mean looks. He starts walking towards the door and everyone moves away from him. The bell starts to ring and everyone rushes in and someone even pushes him to the ground. As he gets up, he notices a man across the street. (laughs) And then as soon as he blinks, the man disappears. That was a pretty awesome shot, too. 
but great scene. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah. That was a great scene. Very uh, at that point, I was like, wait, is he a ghost? No. Yeah. Well, I, kn- I know that yeah, now. But oh, in the yeah. Moment. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. At that uh, moment, yeah. you thought he was a ghost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. It's definitely yeah. one of those horror tropes again, too, which plays on like celebrating horror films and stuff like that, which I love. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I absolutely love how this movie takes those tropes and initially gives you a sense of possibility for right. for a, a younger audience like like hey like this is this is this is a little taste you know that you get a little bit here you get a little bit over there exactly and it, yeah. it i absolutely adore that and and granted the easiest one to consume is zombies it's just for for some reason it is. I right. actually had a conversation with someone where it's just like I can't handle cannibal movies. And I was like, oh really? Can you handle zombies? And you're like, well yeah, I can handle zombies. I'm like, I mean that's a cannibal yeah, movie. Yeah, right. Like, like it's just I, they're they're just dead. Like, <laughs> I think that zombies have transformed to something that's so accessible where it's not gonna spoop anyone too much. But it's also like right. for those that are really scared. Let's be real. I I I think those that are really scared of horror movies will take any chance they can to watch something labeled as horror that isn't scary just to say they did. And zombies right. is one of those things. It, it's accessible horror. It It's a very easy consumable amount of horror. Like zombies, I feel like right. is very, very, and still right now it's very mainstream, right? Mm-hmm. And even paranormal paranormal movies are very mainstream type of movies. And it, it's just a very fascinating way for you to go about that right. when when it comes to uh, uh, consuming those types of films. And I, I feel like this film does a really good job of that, of, of giving you a, a, a little bit of everything. A little right? taste Where of everything, it's, for it's, sure. Exactly. Like it, it, and even though it is technically, yes, this is still a, a zombie movie, uh, you get the sense of the ghost. We, we get the ghouls, right? And, and we even get a poltergeist joke in there as well. And yeah. on top of all of that... You still even get the elements of slasher, yeah. Because when we see Mister Prendergast across the street, that is almost a scene directly from Halloween. Halloween. Yes. Like that. That is like yep. that is perfect. Like it's <laughs> that's just, true. Yeah. It's like you you see all this great stuff, and then you even get the elements of where it's just like we're safe now. We got the cops on our side. And it's like oh shit, the cops are trying to kill us too. So it's it's <laughs> all of this beautiful tropey. Uh, things that we've seen countless times again kind of smashed into a, a more young adult because I wouldn't consider this children. I, I, wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't hey, let your let your six-year-old kid watch this movie. I, I, wouldn't, adult, I wouldn't recommend sure. that. Well, actually, but you know, the, very quickly speaking on that, I think when you are six and you go and watch this, the kid that's that young isn't really going to catch the stuff that's inappropriate for someone their age. Oh, you no, know? no, no, for sure, definitely not. But I'm saying, I'm saying, like as as it giving them nightmares. Like I, oh, I would yeah, say, this yeah, might yeah. be a little too scary for a that's six year old. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, like not the sexual stuff. The sexual stuff, whatever. You know, it's fucking, you know, your your kids can see two dolphins and they'll think it's two dolphins and we'll look at him like oh, dicks. But uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> but Fair it's enough. you know, so like yeah, it's it's but like more so. I would say this is definitely a more of a young adult who could probably handle the ghouls a little bit more because I'm not gonna lie, this is some scary shit. Like you oh, get something sure. straight out of Creep Show 
in this movie where he kind of brings his hand out of the I don't know if you guys have seen Creep Show, but he brings his hand out of the the uh, grave and it even still has that shing yeah. with the score inside of it. And it was like this is this is fucking Creep Show. This is beautiful. Like this person who made this loves eighties horror films. Like, right, he loves them for sure. It's just, Without it's, a uh, doubt, it's beautiful. I could gush. You guys, you keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so as we continue, we get a cool shot of a locker. Well, it's not a cool shot because it says the word freak that is marked on it. Norman pulls out Dicks. a spray and towel to wipe it off. We then see another kid across the hall with the word fatty marked on his locker. And we also try, and he is also trying to remove it as well. A couple bullies come up to him and tell him to see more ghosts and even kill a fly in front of him saying, talk to that and then leave. Just very sad. Uh, we cut back but to I the other Norman's kid. But I love Norman's response. <laughs> flies don't, like, yeah. oh, yeah. don't talk. Flies don't talk. Again, it's those witty, <laughs> quick responses that he has, which is like a defense mechanism, <laughs> yeah. but it makes his character so much more likable and the movie more entertaining, which I loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cut back to the other kid, and he's introduced as Neil, who is played by Tucker Albrizi. We cut to the gym where the students are rehearsing for a play about their town. One of the students asks the teacher, why does the witch always have to be so ugly, and that's not historically <laughs> accurate? The teacher then responds, it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to sell postcards and keychains. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Well, it's kind of I mean, funny, hey, um, now that I've watched stuff. the movie, that, yeah, it's very inaccurate on the portrayal mm-hmm. of, you know, who the so-called witch is. For sure. Right. Especially when we find out who that witch was. It's just like, yeah. it's even more sad that they portray all... her that way. And it, it's it's really cool when we see that portrayal later. And I'll, I'll explain why that is actually pretty cool. Because I got I got some uh, some fun little paranormal facts for you guys Ooh. with that one. Paranormal <laughs> facts? <laughs> um, reading the lines, we learned that they hung a witch, but she put a curse on her seven accusers. That they will die and rise from their graves. As the teacher continues to talk, Norman starts to see the walls of the gym start burning and then the ceiling. Then we get this awesome shot of the kids' faces burning and transforming to possibly the seven accusers that were first mentioned. The teacher snaps back at Norman, saying, get out of it, and then all the kids start laughing. One of the bullies even puts the noose around Norman's neck and attaches it to the kid who was playing the tree, making him fall down. The teacher, in anger, angers, and then we cut to the next scene. Um, yeah, Yo, scene I was, was like, dark. that's so fucked up when yeah. Alvin put the noose on him and there's a lot of moments in this i was like alvin you just i mean alvin sorry um norman you just gotta fucking beat their ass even if you lose <laughs> you gotta fight right because they'll keep going violence is always the answer fight <laughs> fire with fire yeah what did we they learn? take your eye out you take their eye out leave the whole world blind <laughs> that's what the girl does and what did she learn that's not the answer sir <gasps> i think i learned a lesson <laughs> Uh, school is now over and we see Norman back at his locker with the words see you tomorrow freak all spelt wrong on it now which is so funny he spells you Y-U and then tomorrow T-O-M O-R-O-W which is fantastic you're dead you're D-E-D dead dead. Uh, we see Neil running up to Norman. Norman says, I like to be alone. And he responds, so do I. Let's do it together. Which I felt was very wholesome. <laughs> it's 
great lines from Neil. I love them. Neil is so, so lovable. Good. So lovable. Dude, Neil is my boy. Hands down. Right. So good. And then this is where we start getting <laughs> those one-liners, which is so great. But he says that he shouldn't feel bad about the bullies and starts to name off all a bunch of things he gets bullied for. Norman asks him if it bothers him. Neil responds, no, you can't stop bullying. It's part of human nature. And then he calls it survival of the thickest. Hell <laughs> yeah. Freaking love. Don't even correct him. Exactly. Let him be Neil. That's the Neilest Perfect. line ever I've ever heard. That is a Neil but line. That, that is also such an important line, especially for, for kids. Yeah. Like where, where it's just like, hey, we know this sucks, but like we, we can't. We can't change that. Like that's that's right. going to be them. And he even mentions like if you were big and dumb, you also would probably be a bully. Exactly. Kind of thing. Like and and that was that was such an important line where it's just like fuck the haters. Let's keep this shit moving because I'm smart and I know I'm gonna go to college or whatever the fuck you know whatever you you consider success right. at that point. But that that's all. That was such an important line where it's just like, hey, there's always going to be people like this, but it's your job to say, I'm not going to let it get to me. Exactly. Yeah. Even the line, it's, just, oh. it's funny, survival of the thickest, but it's kind of talking about like whoever has the thickest skin Thick of skin. being able to take it, taking the impact exactly. and not letting it, like you said, stop you from being who you are exactly. and living your life. And I think that's a good thing to always like, yeah, like you said, teach kids that it's very important, even though how life gets hard at you and you're presented with a bunch of people who are bad to never let that stop you from becoming who you are and who you want to be, which exactly love that. hundred percent. Walking by the witch statue, they hear a psst. Uh, Then we see this random guy we saw across the street again, hiding behind the statue. He asks, do you know who I am? Neil says, the stinky old bum who lives up the hill. <laughs> Good job, Neil. Fantastic. And then he's like, I was asking him, pointing at Norman. He says, yes, and that he's not supposed to talk to him. He explains that he sees ghosts and knows that that's not all what Norman has been seeing lately. Uh, in quotes, bad omens. Then he starts talking about the witch's curse and that it's real and he's, he's going to be the one that has to stop it. As he tries to explain more, he starts to cough and then begins to hit the ground. Then he begins to express that this is the most important thing of all. You've got to, and he pauses, then gets hit by a piece of Neil's lunch. Uh, at this point, he's scared to get hit by the spicy hummus. He tells Norman to watch out f- for the sign and runs away, which I thought that was a great scene. That Neil was explaining, like, this is some spicy hummus, and he gets really scared. Yeah, dude, I thought that was hilarious. I love the fact that he threw like piece of his lunch, and then that's the next line yeah. you get. It's great. It just shows the character who uh, Neil is, which is lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Norman admits to Neil that he sees ghosts, and that Neil asks if he can see his dead dog who got hit by an animal rescue van. Tragic and ironic. <laughs> this is another great touch. <laughs> uh, they rush to Neil's house, and they talk to his brother Mitch. Um, and how they are going to go play with his dead dog. Working on the car underneath, he, he bangs his head on it and sees that the weird kid is at their house. He expresses that he says that the kid sees ghosts in order to get attention from the people. 
And this is the first time we kind of get the perspective of what other people see him as, where he's just getting attention for people by seeing ghosts, which is kind of sad thinking about. Right. Uh, the nice thing is that Neil tells him to stop and that it's not weird and to not ruin it for him. He talks to dead people. <laughs> uh, they start to go to the backyard and then Norma explains why some people stay as ghosts. Some need to figure things out and others died suddenly or in a bad way. So we kind of get the rules of how people become ghosts as well, which is kind of cool and explains for the audience of how the world works. Uh, Norman then spots the dead dog that split into two. Neil asks if he can feel him and then starts to pet him. Norman says, I guess. As Neil proceeds to pet him and kisses him, Norman lets him know that that's not kissing his face, but his butt. That's a little <laughs> playful scene. <laughs> hey, he's in there for a little bit. And I was like, dang. I know, right? It's actually. <laughs> he's like, eh, whatever. Right. Yeah. He's like, fuck it. Whatever. It's my dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's cute. It's playful. Yeah. Uh, it's fun. Neil starts to play fetch with the dog, and Norman. As Norman to do as well. He throws the stick, not knowing. I love this. Oh yeah, this is a great wholesome scene because he's like, oh, I love teaching this. him how to throw the stick and stuff like that too. He's like, I've done it a thousand <laughs> times. It's okay, you go. Um, he's like, no, 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 you go. And then like, I like how he's he's holding it. And he's about to do it. He's just like, uh, you go. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. He's like, you just, you just, he's like, what do I do? You just cock it back, throw and it, and you throw it. That's it. <laughs> he, Throws it so hard. <laughs> yep. Smacks him in the face. And so it. throwing it too hard, hitting uh, the tree. Damn it. Bouncing back and hitting Neil, knocking him down. Ugh. And then <laughs> we get a great shot of him that he caught the stick with his mouth. And then he says, he fetched it. And they both laugh. <laughs> Cute. Great. I feel like this scene is pretty important to establish their type of relationship and their friendship of just them yeah. hanging out together. Two people who loved being alone found someone that has the same type of interest, which I liked. That right. There's always going to be there, uh, someone to be there for you. Uh, that's when we cut back to the uncle entering his place. He begins talking about Norman and Neil, not realizing they're running out of time. Before he can continue, he drops dead with a book in his hands. His spirit rises out of his body and then back, bringing him back to life. <laughs> he says, so good. <laughs> it's such a good scene. Then he la- he says laughing, not yet, and then falls dead again. <laughs> uh, he becomes Love a ghost it. and then realizes and just says, ah, nuts. <laughs> oh, Dude, I, th- it really got me the first time because I was like, oh, no way. Just like that. <laughs> yeah. And then he went back in. And I'm like, I knew it. And then it happened again. I was like, oh, wait, <laughs> it really it's like, got me. Now it's for real. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Oh man, that's why I think that's a great scene to see for the first time. So I'm glad you were able to see this for the first time watching that scene because I knew he was gonna like come yeah. back to life and then die again. But it's such a fun, playful moment of like, oh, he's dead. No, he's alive. Oh no, he's dead. He's dead for sure. And and this is actually the only person you technically see die. That's technically. true. True. Um, yeah. But it, I think it's so so well done. It's just like his, he comes back. And you see a spirit, and he's like, ah, fuck. <laughs> but I love it. I love it. Uh, we open a new scene outside of the school's gym at night with a sign that reads, The Witch's Curse, which is the play. You see some parents bringing their child in, and the kid is screaming, he doesn't want to go, over and over again. <laughs> I love the humor that they put in this movie. It's a great... Yeah, there was... 
like a palate cleanser there for was, each scene. Really, there was many moments in this movie. I was watching it uh, with Bella for the first half, and then second half she was working on like procreate on her ipad and i kept saying out loud i was like i can't believe how many jokes i'm laughing at at this movie this movie's funny <laughs> yeah it's super it's really well good. written and it's like yeah. transitional scenes where they put something in there that doesn't really further the plot but it's great for the audience to like see and kind of like gets introduced mm-hmm. to the next scene and stuff like that too yeah cool uh we go inside the theater and see that the entire audience has cameras recording the play Norman's dad can't get the camera to work and says, great, now I will never remember this moment. (laughs) As the kids finish singing on stage, we hear some applause and a random guy says, you suck. (laughs) This is great. Uh, During the play, Norman sees an owl from the raptors above. It flies down, landing on Neil, but he doesn't notice it. That's when the whole stage starts to burn up and we are teleported to the this forest. So fucking cool. Dude, the visuals in this is fantastic. Like you were saying, like wow. you said that this Very looked impressive. better than Paranorman. This is one of those scenes where it's like, yeah, it kind of does I mean, look Caroline. Like, sorry. We're watching Paranorman. Yeah. <laughs> Caroline. <laughs> no, yeah, you're, there's good. A, you're good. There's a lot of moments when I'm watching the movie where I was like, I feel like I could literally put my hands on the TV and grab something and pick it up. True. It and I think that's 3D-ish. the best compliment I could give it. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And I... I didn't watch this movie in 3D, but I got just how everything just kind of burns upward into that that kind of floating position. It, it is so, so, so well done. And right. I, like, obviously, they didn't just do stop motion on this, um, which is probably why it looks better than Coraline, um, because that's obviously a 3D effect. Right? Oh, for like, sure. Like, and it's s- gotta be. Same thing with the sky and stuff like that. So yeah. that's why this looks so fucking good, but it is so well done and it's so beautifully molded together. And honestly, I think that's why a lot of people didn't like this movie is because it took those liberties of saying like, okay, we're not going to just make this stop motion. We're, we're going to add some 3D animation into this. We're going to add some CG. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to me, it benefited. Like, I thought it was great. Like, it, it just... And I think at the time when I first watched it, I think I wanted Coraline and um, and I just missed the point. I just missed the point of this movie because I wanted Coraline. And I absolutely like I said, I absolutely think this movie is better than Coraline. And I don't think it is like tenfold better, but I do think this movie is ultimately better. Like, I think it has a better message. um, And I think also the this more so kind of sticks out to more kids in my opinion to, to where like, I feel like a lot more kids can relate to this instead of um, moving to a new place kind of thing. I can see that. That makes sense. Yeah. Like I feel like a lot more kids can relate to like, I'm being picked on at school. These are the situations that's happening now. To yeah. Me. I, and agree I feel you. like this is more relatable. I, I think this is a great film for those that do feel a struggle in their social yeah. lives. And it, I feel like this is a movie that can be kind of like an outlet for people or like, it's like, Oh, I'm not the only one going through this. Like other people go through this. And this is a story being told probably from someone's experience. Right. Right. I totally agree. And uh, the nice thing about like the visual effects too, being 3d animation is that it doesn't take away from the film. Like you were saying, it kind of blends really well with the stop motion in there. It's all the same type of tone and feeling from the movie. 
that just adds value mm-hmm. to it. That adds the special effects Absolutely. of what's going on in the world of like Paranorman and what he's seeing. So I do appreciate right. that. I agree. Uh, this is when we begin to see the accusers looking for the witch, and then he begins to run away from them. The trees begin to attack and grab him, and the tree with a creepy face announces that the dead are coming. The face turns into Neil, asking if he's okay, and we are back to the play with him screaming. He screams the dead are coming and falls off the stage. Everyone looking at him with disgust, and they don't believe him. On the ride home, his dad is asking him to stop and grounds him. He states that he wishes people can see what he sees, and he never wished to be born this way. And his father says, neither did we. Dude, when I... Man. Yeah, I was I I said out loud I was like that's fucked up. I was so mad hearing. Yeah, that. in my notes I put him as an asshole. This scene. <laughs> yeah, mm. because he is. I was I mean, like, that's fuck him up, Norman. To say to your son. Yeah, dude. absolutely. And and like you like you literally just agreed with the whole town calling your son a freak. Right. Yeah, and that's terrible. And he wished that like, he wasn't. That uh, he wasn't. Him what now. hurts more is the conversation that follows up and how right. Norman sees it too. Yeah. That's great. So, yeah, we'll follow Ugh. up with that. His mom says that people may say things that may seem mean, but it's more because they're afraid. And Norman comes back with one of the best lines. Norman says, mm-hmm. he's my dad. He shouldn't be afraid of me. His mom yeah, then I'm says that serious. he's not Ugh. afraid of you. He's afraid for you. But still, I was like, <sighs> yeah, Norman's right. That Yeah. Yeah, right. dude. It hurt so bad hearing all that. Right. And, and both, both were true, right? Like, I mean, because... It, 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 he obviously he loves his kid sure. and he doesn't want his kid to be considered a freak quote unquote uh, but instead of embracing that embracing him for who he is right. embracing his loves embracing his quarrels whatever because like this is a kid who's 11 years old that loves horror movies like even when they as we get to the end of the movie but who loves horror films and who loves all this weird shit and and this is something that he can't relate to with his parents on or with his family in general on. Yeah. And like everyone kind of has their own thing where uh, his sister's in the boys or whatever. Courtney's in the boys. And then Perry and Perry is just wants his son to be quote unquote normal. And Sandra just loves her son. And her whole thing is like, she loves her whole family to the point where she's like, I just want everyone to get along. And that's sometimes like you you don't really need that. But at the same time, it's also very truthful because Perry is probably afraid of what people would think of his kid or right. what people may do to his kid because he's different. He's trying to protect and, him by people do a lot of he's trying to protect but, him by like wishing he was different because of the dangers that may lead up to him being right. so-called a freak, which is sad. Right. That's like, a- I mean, people get hurt. Right. And and that's just, honestly, that's the fucked up part about it is that people get hurt for just being different. Yeah. And that's really messed up. That's an interesting take because I, I straight up, in my perspective, I question the love if it was there because I am very much of a believer if like you're going to, you know, say those kind of things and also be such a bystander like his mom is. I'm like, it, do you love your kid? Like, because if you left right. your kid, you wouldn't let anyone treat your child like that. And even if it's yeah. your other, your co-parent, like that stuff's not okay. And it, it hurt, like it hurt watching because I, it really felt like his own 
parents, his own family, didn't love him. Turned his back yeah. or something, yeah. And he, he feels it too because he's like, he's my dad. He shouldn't be afraid of me. Yeah. That's how he takes it. Yeah. Right. He's taken it as a of negative, course. which is sad. But yeah, we'll see what happens in the future. So the next day <laughs> at school, everyone is still making fun of him because of the play. He hides in the bathroom stall. The toilet paper starts to fly all over the place. The tiles and toilet start to shake and the walls breathe in and out. The toilet seat opens up and he sees his uncle. He's surprised that he is dead and his uncle says, yeah, but he has unfinished business. <laughs> he explains that he has been holding back the witch's curse for years and it's going to be his turn now. The bathroom starts to burn up and we are back in the forest. He explains that tonight is the anniversary of her ghost and she will wake up and raise the dead. He floats into the ground and the toilet paper turns into zombies grabbing Norman. He says that he's just a kid and how is he supposed to stop it? We teleport back to the bathroom. His uncle floats back up saying, read from the book at the spot the witch has burned. He expresses that the book is with his dead body at his house. He has to read from it before sun sets tonight. He asks him to do it and says, swear. He responds, you mean like the F word? I mean, promise, <laughs> his uncle responds. <laughs> I love freaking par- uh, how's about to call him Paranorman Norman with his responses with that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, he's so hilarious. Swear, you mean the F word? <laughs> love that. <laughs> uh, Norman agrees and then promises. His uncle frees his soul, exploding into the abyss, and the bully thinks something else happened in there. Uh, which I is love. I love all of this because like I love how John Goodman was just like or Mr. Printergrass was just like mm, that'll do <laughs> he's like I'm out uh, he's, like, no, I'm my, he's like that's it uh, my business is done you you agreed I, my promise is done you you, you promised already you're, you're, I'm good I'll <laughs> see you later like <laughs> it, yeah, I love that it, it's a great scene in general because you see a lot of visual effects of what's going on in the bathroom and you just get teleported back in the forest and you see how the bathroom is still playing a part in a so like horrific cool. way uh, it's great like I said, and there you go. That that's like that's like Nightmare on Elm Street right there. Exactly. Boom. It plays a part of everything. Daydreaming for sure. Love it. Uh, we cut back to his house, and his family are still talking about him. We said that we see that Norman's looking around his room, looking at all the zombie items, thinking about what he just learned. And this is when we get our nice little callback. His cell phone rings, and the Halloween theme song plays. Fantastic. That was oh great. My yeah. God, you you guys already know. Like when this shit happened, yeah. like even in the theater, I was just like, "Oh, I got so giddy fucking listening perfect. to her." Yeah, so did I. Like, like goosebumps, yes. goosebumps. As soon as it happened, I was just like, "Oh, that." And then immediately after, so <laughs> he gets a message that says, "Come to the window." He goes to the window and gets spooked <laughs> by Neil wearing the hockey mask, and she's <laughs> <I'm> just staring. <laughs> yeah, really, just staring up. And then. <laughs> We just realized, hey, do you want to play some hockey? (laughs) Out of nowhere. I love this kid. Uh, I love this kid. Norman starts to tell him what he has learned. And then Neil still says, well, do you still want to play hockey? It's the last way to get eaten. (laughs) Fantastic. I love their back and forth, too. It's very genuine and very realistic. It's like, oh, that's cool. Do you still want to play some hockey? (laughs) Um, Norman just tells him to go home and he's better off on his own. His grandma appears and then discusses why she's still around. She states that she promises to always look out for him. He asks she would even do that, even if it was something scary, and she responds, 
There's nothing wrong with being scared, Norman, so long as you don't let it change who you are, which I also think is one of the best lines of this movie, too, because it teaches a really life, big life lesson, is that even though you're scared, that's okay, as long as it doesn't change who you are personally, which, man, crazy. Uh, then she just floats away. We cut to Courtney painting her nails and talking on the phone, and then Norman just rushes out of the house on his bike. We cut to Alvin doing some breakdancing in some alley, and we get some cool transitions between the dance and Norman on his bike. <laughs> it's great. It was, I love the interruption of that. Just like <laughs> how he was dancing, looking at her. He was just like really feeling himself like, like he was like crumping. Oh, he was going it at was, it. It was, he was really, he was hitting it. I was like, you go ahead, bro. You still look like you smell like beef cheese, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, and I don't think I've noted, uh, mentioned Alvin is played by Christopher Mintz Pauls, which is a great Pal- actor. Palazzi. It fits him so well. It it does. It fits him perfectly. Like Christopher Mint Palazzi, Palazzi like, yes. it's crazy because like he he sounds like he would look like that. It, it's oh, so. Oh my god, that's fair. Oh my gosh, like uh, if if it was the perfect casting, all of this perfect casting. Yeah. Like Casey Affleck as Mitch, like that that was perfect. Even though Casey Affleck is an asshole, but true perfect casting. Anyway, <laughs> uh, he um, what was it? Yeah, he bikes through the dance, and Alvin gets very angry. Norman stops his bike at this very creepy looking house, and he goes inside and says hello, and then nothing. We now realize that this is his uncle's house. He uses his phone as a flashlight and walks around seeing a bunch of bugs, rats, and all things all over the place. His phone begins to die, and just like the movie tropes, he starts hitting it to get a little bit more power. He, he then turns and sees a little teddy bear, and from its mouth, we see a swarm of moths coming flying at him. He throws. This was so good. It's it's great visual effects too. It's oh, you get that trope of him like the flashlight dying and him hitting in, and of course it gives him more power, and then there's a little bit more light. Yeah, and then we get that nice teddy bear with the shot of the mouth opening up and seeing a yeah. bunch of moths coming out. It's a beautiful childish jump scare for sure, and it, it's initially teaching your your children. Uh, like, like that was a jump scare. Like that scare you, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that was really scary. Like I don't know. Like, but it's done. You know, like this yeah. is that. That's like it was quick. You know, so then like it, and that's. I feel like this is a great introduction to horror for children. Like, and and um, obviously, there's just so many great pieces of it. Like you, you have so many aspects of of great horror films that are inspired. Um, throughout this movie and it's beautifully done and even with the moths and then the slug and it, right. it, it's so good it, and it makes it's sense so too in the movie it's like the the moths come out because it gets attracted by the light and then ultimately exactly he and he throws the he, yeah yeah he throws the phone and it gets attracted it, towards so, the light so he's good. able to go to the next room it, it's it's super well done. written yeah beautifully done it's not to be there just to be there it's it has a purpose it's great Absolutely. So, yeah, he drops his phone and they get attracted towards the light. He falls into the next room right next to his uncle's dead body. He tries to grab the book from the body uh, the body is holding, and then it's holding onto it very tightly. He starts. I love how long this scene is. Oh, it's great. <laughs> it was a lot easier to write these notes when this was happening. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> 
he starts to swing the body around, smashing into a bunch of things in the room. He ultimately gets it out of the body, and then the, the body ends up falling on top of Norman with his uncle's tongue hitting him in the face. Um, <laughs> see, this is I another, love the reaction from him too. This is something that doesn't necessarily have to happen in the movie, but I'm glad it does because no. it has that comedic relief, and it's great. It's great. It's great because this was a very intense moment, right? Like, right. even though, like. Yes, like this could be funny of him trying to pull the 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 uh the book out of his hand. It's still pretty intense. Yeah, it's very and it's just like that the tongue falling out is absolutely genius and it is extremely morbid. Like just mm-hmm. like you said, Freddie. Like, I was I quivered when I saw morbid. it. I, I think we all did. And I think yeah. that was the point. Because <laughs> like you said, it, it's a long scene of him just trying to get the book out and he's just smashing his uncle's dead body all over the room. It's just like, damn. Love it. So yeah, as he gets very disgusted and he leaves rather quickly and then we cut to a cemetery. At this point, it looks like it's almost sunset. He runs into the tombstone of the seven accusers and where he thinks she is buried. He starts to read from the book. Uh, Alvin then shows up and grabs the book from him. Because of him, the sun has now set, and we see this great creepy purple smoke cloudy thing with a bunch of green, or not a bunch of green eyes, but with green eyes appearing. Uh, Alvin asks, what is that? And Norman says, it's her. The smoke swirls up around and releases the green arms going into the ground at the same time we hear a terrifying screech. The ground begins to crack, and we all see the zombies appear from the ground. Norman and Alvin are now surrounded by the zombies. Norman begins to read from the book, but nothing is working. We hear a voice saying stop from one of the zombies. They start to run, and they get through and run away. We are now at Neil's, or they go back to the uncle's house, and they close the door. Oh, no, no, we are at Neil's house, and the door starts to ring. Courtney is, uh, is the one outside looking for Norman. His brother answers the door shirtless and gets flustered. Courtney asks, where is Norman, and is he trying to shrug her away? He then expresses that he has no idea and that he would go to the grave spot on his own. Oh, sorry. I skipped the line. Courtney asks Neil uh, where he is, and then he expresses that he had no idea that he would go to the grave spot on his own. The brother expresses that he told him he was trouble, and his sister agrees. Uh, Courtney asks seductively if he can help her find him and he agrees uh we come oh, back to Mitch, can you help me right <laughs> super sexualized super crazy super flirtatious um it's it's funny because it's like. anna kendrick yeah yeah that's and, true too yeah and and it's 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 so funny because it's like two years prior to this she was in scott pilgrim and then a year after this she was in pitch perfect and um <laughs> then it's so interesting because the only other time I've seen her like flirtatious like this, which this is going to be very odd to say, was in um, damn it, I'm blanking on the name of the movie, but I want to say it was a simple a simple plan or something like that, or a simple favor. That sounds so. right. Yeah, a simple favor. Uh, but it was with um, the chick from Gossip Girl. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Friend. I know who you're talking about. Um, I don't know the name. I'm. I'm saying this for for David because I feel like he he's seen Gossip Girl by now with uh, with um, his girlfriend. But I've only seen uh, the first episode. Okay, never mind then. Um, I've seen them. I and I 
guilty pleasure. Um, <laughs> don't hate my cred. But initially, the only other time I've seen her that sexualized was in that movie, yeah. which was a rated R movie. Exactly. Other than that, I've never seen her like sexualized like this since. And you're right. It's a <laughs> like, simple flavor for sure. Is it a simple flavor? Okay, yeah, yeah there you go. And it's, With Blake Lively. It's so Blake Lively. There, that that's her name. Um, but which is a fucked up movie, actually. That's really fucked up. But initially, <laughs> like, there is a, a very intense sex scene in that movie with Anna Kendrick and this dude. Yet this baby feels so much more uncomfortable because <laughs> it felt like it felt like that again, and I was like. I was like, right. wow, they, In a kid's really, movie. they really go there. Right. <laughs> like, she is thirsting over this dude tough. Yeah. It's funny. It, it's, funny. It's, it's cool to, or not cool, but it's interesting that they put this in a kid's movie, too. Introducing some, like, adult <laughs> themes of her, like, very flirtatious. I mean, and hey, what are you watching? Sex and violence. That's true. Yeah, exactly. In this movie, there's <laughs> a little bit of sexual tension and violence. So, yeah. 100%. That's so funny when you put it that way. <laughs> Norman mm-hmm. was introducing the movie. <laughs> um, we cut back to Alvin and Norman rushing through the door and locking it behind them. The bully, or I'm sorry, Alvin asks if they will try and eat their brains. Norman says, I think you'll be safe. Pretty much hinting that Alvin doesn't have a brain, which is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh, Norman doesn't get why the book didn't work. We hear the banging from the door. He realizes he was reading the book at the wrong place. The zombies start to break in and Norman and um, Alvin start to hide. Hiding under the bed, we see an ear fall and Norman helps get it back. Alvin starts to scream and then starts to run away. That's when Norman also starts to run away and gets, gets away as well. We get this awesome shot of the bully opening the door and then on the other side is the zombie. Norman quickly closes the door with the zombie mouth getting smashed through the door. They reopen it with the zombie still attached to the door through the mouth and be able to escape. Uh, this is when we cut back to Courtney and the crew in the van looking for Norman. Courtney explains what she wants to do when she wants to grow up and continues to flirt. We see that the sky is crazy and that they almost run over Norman and hits one of the zombies. Neil's brother goes to investigate the body he just hit. He tries to pick it up and accidentally takes the head off. Norman says, run, and he screams and kicks the head super far away. It's a great scene. And then he also talks about like how far he kicked it, which I thought was nice. Nice little added touch to it. Yeah, that was super that? funny. Like, did you see yeah, how far oh I kicked God. it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he did boot the shit out oh, of it. Oh, for thing. sure. And I, I love the conversation they had, too. It's like, is he okay? It's like, uh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> clearly he's just holding the head <laughs> that's it uh, it's great, great they all hop in the van and see the zombies going towards them they drive off super fast leaving the zombies in the dust except for one still attached to the van we still see that the zombie is still holding on as they're driving away the rest of the zombies continue uh, we cut to a police saying that kids are burning up the ozone layer and that they <laughs> and then she starts to see the van zoom past her uh, we still see the zombies still funny. holding on. Yeah, really quick. It was funny because she's like, "Damn kids and their cell phones burning up the ozone layer." <laughs> it's so great. And she fucking just throws her cup. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that. That's hella funny. 
Yeah, she just throws her cup right afterwards. She's just like, damn kids and their cell phones just run the ozone layer and she throws her cup on the ground. <laughs> this movie's so clever. It's just the small things like that. It just adds a nice little touch to it. I agree. Uh, they are just all talking about what's going on and Courtney is freaking out. As she says things are getting completely out of hand, the zombie hand breaks into the van. We then see that the policewoman wants to pull them over. Norman expresses that he must read the book at the witch's grave. Neil said that he has an idea, and we cut to Salma, a kid from the school, on the phone with Norman. The movie cuts back and forth within, uh, between the conversation that they're having over the phone, and them trying to defend themselves from the zombie and the arm, and also not getting pulled over. He asks that he must know where the witch is buried. She explains that she was buried at an unmarked grave, and that's what they learned in fifth grade. Just funny, nice little touch. Uh, she tells them that there might be a record where she is buried at the town hall in the archives. That's when we cut to a to the theater teacher taking out the garbage, and we get this awesome revealing shot of a zombie behind her, where it's like she just closes like uh, the garbage lid, and the zombie's behind her. It's a fantastic little touch. Yeah, I have to uh, agree. Uh, she notices, and then she notices the zombie, and then two more appear. She starts to scream and then bursts through her fence running. We then see Norman's parents still talking about Norman driving down the street. The, the van zooms right by them, almost taking them out, and then they just crash. Uh, Norman's dad asks where the police is when, he, when they need him. And as soon as he says that, the policewoman comes crashing onto him. Uh, we cut back to the van and the group is still trying to fight off the zombie. The van crashes down the hill, crashing onto a parking spot. The sky begins to get worse and starts spreading throughout the town. And now they are starting to go towards town hall. We see a man at a vending machine and him waiting for a bag of chips to fall. He realizes the zombies are going towards him and he still decides to wait for his chips. They get closer and closer. I fucking love this scene. This is one of my favorite keep going, scenes. Keep going. I, 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 keep going. Yeah. I want to talk about this scene when you're done. They get closer and as he starts to get worried, he ends up running away. Here's the chips fall and then comes back to get him and then runs away again. This is perfect. This. He's waiting. They get closer. He screams, dips out, runs back Grabs the while chips. still looking at them, trying to search for his chips while still looking for them. I absolutely adore this scene. I thought yeah. it was so funny. And, and I don't even think this is in the trailer, if I'm not mistaken. But oh, like, it, I just what a scene. This is just so much fun. This is one of the so moments much fun. where I was laughing out loud. I'm like, wow, this movie is funny. Like, I'm <laughs> right. I yeah. wasn't expecting much, but I'm like, you're making me laugh like a lot. Right. And Coraline wasn't really that funny. No, yeah, and no, it felt it like wasn't. Coraline wasn't supposed to be funny. Right. It's more and more. Same than- thing with Kubo. That's true. Like, too. Kubo definitely wasn't really that funny either. And, and that's the thing. Like, these movies weren't really supposed to be comedies except for Paranorman box trolls like those are the main it, initially all of the the horror based ones are funnier and rightfully so they're trying to make them easier to consume they're For not sure. trying to really scare children completely they're trying to make them easier to consume and that's the easiest way to do that for children right is to have the 80 percent comedy 20 percent horror and that is that balance for kids and when we see it in initial like what we do in the shadows or Shaun of the dead or anything like that. We, we still get that. We get that 60% comedy and that 40% horror, but still like we, we have that. Um, and even then I would say what we do in the shadows is more like 90% comedy, 10% horror. Right. Um, it was just like the setting initially, but 
it this is still a perfect horror movie and especially for a child where we we see those aspects of like and this reminds me bear with me here this reminds me a lot of like get out where mm, we see that's fair. those those very really comedic beats to give us a break and like even though there's a very scary scene happening of the zombies initially coming to the town for the first time and stuff like that um you get that 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 fun moment with this guy to break up that tension and be like yes this is scary and yes this person is scared but we can make him funny scared kind of thing yeah, and i exactly. i thought that is actually a really clever way to to let a kid know like like yes it's okay to be scared in this scene but also look how fun this is kind of mm-hmm. thing I completely agree. Kind of like while I was going back from before, this scene didn't have to be in there. It's a transitional scene. No way. But it's yeah. I'm glad it's in there. Like you said, it's it's hilarious. It's a little break from what's going on to have this comedic relief to continue the story afterwards. It it's fantastic, right. and they do it so well. It's executed so well, and it's oh, absolutely. I think that's probably the funniest scene in this movie by far. It's so good. Actually, this next scene is made me laugh as well so uh the zombies stop in front of a sign that reads the lucky witch casino and they're just in awe and then they see uh, a drunk couple coming out of a bar someone doing some graffiti well she's super risque too though right like oh, that, that yeah. sign like she has like garters she has money in her cleavage like it, yeah. it's a they're super risque picture oh yeah <laughs> they're definitely shocked by it they're loving it. They're loving it. Yeah, and it makes sure. sense when you figure out who they are later on. You're like, oh, it makes sense why they would see that. I'd be like, whoa. Right. They're like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's when we get the transition from that point of them being shocked and in awe and happiness. Uh, we see the zombies looking at a drunk couple, someone doing some graffiti, someone making a mess, eating a burger in their car, and some TV playing some violent and other stuff on there. And you just hear one of the zombies start screaming in fear. Which I was, oh, the screech is so great. <laughs> so good. Uh, a crowd of town folks start coming out and they all start seeing the zombies and they all begin to arm themselves and go towards them. We see the group running into the mob of people fighting the zombies and Norman looks at the sign, Historic Town Hall. They all rush towards that direction. Arriving at the town hall, we see that the door is locked. The bully just breaks the window and opens the door. And pretty much before that, Norman asks if anyone's good at lockpicking, and they just look at him. And his idea of lockpicking is just breaking the window and then unlocking it, which I thought was yeah, nice dude, I touch. that was hilarious. It's like, oh, I yeah, was like, oh I'm duh. an expert, and just smashes the window. <laughs> Fantastic. Lock picked. <laughs> and at this point, like at this point, they're just on the roll with the jokes, right? Like you're just continuously laughing, and you're along for the ride, and you're like in and on it. And the jokes like, hit. Yeah. yeah, like the, they hit like it, it's so good because it's just like it. this is a fun movie to, to show friends because it, it it's initially it's so funny. And the, the humor is honestly, it's quite adult. Like it, mm-hmm. it's even though there's no cussing in there, there there's still sexual innuendos that like yeah. fucking Alvin grabs her, like grabs Courtney's ass cheeks. And it's just, it's oh, like, yeah. Like this is like it's, it's yeah, all the stuff that's going on. That it's, it, it's all there for for us. At the same time, it's off screen, so like kids that oh, yeah. don't get it won't see no. it, and or no, like, they'll see that when they're like thought. sixteen, and yeah, they're like, "What the exactly. fuck?" <laughs> like I never noticed <laughs> that. Like, Whoa. Yeah, yeah. 
they all go inside the town hall, and they see, and then we see uh, the zombie severed hand that was hiding behind the garbage run back to its body. The zombie turns away and walks the other direction. The group uh, the group boards up the windows and doors, and as they open to the next door, they see piles on piles of archived papers. They begin to look around through all the papers, and meanwhile, the mob of people are still fighting the zombies, and we even see a lady even get a shotgun and shoots one of the zombies through the stomach. And they even see a little girl Bro. rip one of their arms off. <laughs> Screaming like crazy. Yeah. They, they were whooping their ass. Like they were, they were going those to town. Ass, <laughs> they were not. They were like, we are not dying here tonight. Like, no, <laughs> fuck that. We're fighting for our city. And, and it works as an animated movie because they go pretty violent with it. Like, you get the shotgun through the stomach. We even see this little tiny girl rip one of their arms off. Rip some like, arms. What is happening? Like, it's, it's wild. Uh, yeah, I, I was like, guys, come on. They haven't even done anything yet. They could be nice zombies. I really thought that at this moment. <laughs> Super funny. Hey, uh, there's actually a really good zombie movie called Fido that, that plays with that idea. I, I would highly suggest checking that out. Okay, it's a very okay. interesting movie. Fido. Uh, the zombies Sorry. luckily managed to run away. Also looking back and then started running back away again. Uh, we transition back to Norman's parents now driving the policewoman. They run, uh, they run and stop the car. Seeing the all the cars. kids, right? Oh yeah, he, she says like that's <laughs> um, was a Scooby Doo line. Those Scooby-Doo, metally, yeah. Kids. Oh, yeah, those metally, and they and, and they she even goes, look at each other like the parents are like, what the fuck? Like, and then she <laughs> goes, sweet baby jinkies. <laughs> I was waiting for like a Scooby Doo type so dog good. to rock walk by or something. Oh my god. Uh, they stopped the car so seeing good. all of the chaos in the town. The policewoman says why someone is shooting at civilians and that is what the police are here to do. And that's the line I uh, texted Prince about yesterday. I was like that caught me off guard. I was like what? I rewinded, it, reheard yeah. it and I was like oh they went there. I was like okay. Yep. <laughs> yep. Man. Just, wow. Just wow. Definitely doesn't hold up. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, the deputy comes up and says that they are only shooting at the dead ones. So they continues with that joke. You know, I'm just like, eh. <sighs> yep. Okay. Doesn't hold up. I'm like, okay. Like, I had to stop the movie for a second and just, like, recollect myself. I was like, oh, okay. It needed a break. Yeah, I for sure needed a break. I, I was more in shock, and it took me out of the movie a little bit. I was like, wait. They didn't say what that, I think that, they said. Fair. And I paused, rewind. That is completely fair. And I have subtitles on. And I was like, oh, yeah, she said that for sure. Okay. <laughs> um, we cut back to the town hall with the zombies trying to get in. They see that the witch in the sky is getting more and more aggressive. And they get scared that they rip the door to get inside the zombies. Uh, we see that the theater teacher is seeing them go inside. We see that the town folk are getting really armed and dangerous at this point. The theater teacher announces on top of a car that they are at the town hall and the mob cheers. We cut back to the group still looking for the archive of the grave. We see that the mob now reaches the town hall and starts banging to get in. Uh, Neil's brother thinks it's the zombies and the bully screams hide. And then he says, oh, it's the grown-ups. And then he continues to say hide again, which is hilarious. <laughs> hide! Um, Courtney explains that she is scared and Norman expresses that he is scared too, but he still has to do the job. She explains that, that he showed, oh, he should grow up and live in the real world. He says that people in the real world thinks he's a freak and maybe that they're right. Maybe he is a freak. 
He says that he never asked for her help and to go and get out. Frustrated, she leaves, and then the rest of the group leaves as well, leaving Norman alone. Um, they try to exit the front door, and the mob starts breaking through the door and windows, grabbing them, mistaking them for the zombies. We then see Norman sitting on the ground and then realizes that the zombies are coming into the room. He grabs the book and goes through the back door, yelling for help. The mob begins to go through the items, or starts to throw items that are lit on fire into the town hall. Norman goes up the stairs and onto the roof and begins to climb the tower. The sky is fully covered with the evil clouds and the face of the witch. Norman's parents finally show up outside with the mob. His mom asks if, there, if this has anything to do with Norman, and then the dad responds, of course not. And then a random person from the crowd points and says, look, and then we see Norman climbing up the ladder of the tower. So I think that was a nice one. <laughs> Dude, that was funny. And this, but I gotta this say, looks great. Man, yeah, I gotta agree. The the witch in the sky, man. Wow, so that was cool scary. Looking. Yeah, like yeah. like that looked really good, and like even like when you get like the hands coming down and shit later. Wow, this just was really really well done. I, I want to actually back up a little bit because we didn't we didn't talk about one of the greatest lines coming out of Neil's mouth when paired when when Norman asked them. Like, did anyone get bit? And he's like, I bit my tongue. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> Neil has great lines. So good. They wrote him perfectly, and they had the perfect They really did. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, the theater teacher even calls Norman a necromancer. She blames everything that is happening on Norman. Fuck yeah, that's so cool. Right. Yeah, I want to be called a necromancer. Uh, that's initially what he is like like they use the coolest term ever because they were like they could have called him a boring ass medium but no they were just like we're gonna up this shit he's a necromancer love that Mm -hmm. that is so cool that that, like that is just oh god damn when they said that i was like "Woo, let's go boys yeah let's go (laughs) like i felt like it was starting to become like very heartbreaking because like oh they're kind of like doing the same thing they did to the other witch obviously that's where that we're going for and i was like Oh man, yeah. poor Norman. He's just trying to yeah. save the day, and everyone's yeah. blaming him for all the bad stuff. Yeah, I mean, he didn't read the book it in time, so shitty. I guess it is his fault. But you know, give the kid a break. It's his first year doing this. <laughs> uh, he begins to read, and nothing happens. The witch just laughs, and then gives a blowing lightning strike to Norman, making him fall off. Before he hits the roof, the ground begins to burn, and he falls into a black abyss, cut into black. Light is shown on him uh, on the ground, and then the burn reverses back to normal, and he is surrounded by the accusers, not as zombies, but as the living. Just like, dang. So cool. Great reveal. And I love that we get this scene, too. But this is where we get teleported with uh, the middle of the trial hearing of the witch hunt. Norman, thinking he's the witch in this scenario, hears someone cry next to him. He turns and sees this little girl who was just the one who is the one being accused of being the witch. The judge finds her guilty for speaking to the dead. The same thing that Norman is able to do. The girl starts to get surrounded by the other accusers and begins to glow and gets surrounded by this yellow electricity and tells them to stop or they will be sorry. Then we get this big blast in the flash. Uh, We transition back to Norman on the ground with the book being burned. What a scene. I want to actually touch on this a bit. Um, And yeah, this scene is beautiful. First and foremost, yes, this scene is absolutely gorgeous. But uh, this is initially what what I wanted to uh, kind of bring a little bit of history in here for uh, for a little paranormal esque history. But this is real shit. But 
back in the Salem in, in the Salem witch trials back in the 1600s, um, it it was children, and um, yeah, initially the person who got accused was uh, I want to say her name was Abigail, and she she was the main person who was accused with her cousin and they were just 11 year old kids mm-hmm. and, and it, it was so fucked up. And I, I want to say it was about 19 of them or something like that. Super Not sad. all of them got, got hanged, but it was, it was around 19 of them and a few like went to jail, but it was 14, the 14 little girls initially. Um, and five, five boys. And, it was heartbreaking. Like even just reading it is so heartbreaking. And there's actually a great song um, about about the Salem witch trials by one of my favorite bands called Hail the Sun. And um, I, I want to. I'm blanking on the name of this other song, but um, initially, it's it's such an interesting take on it where. Um, they have this initial conversation. Obviously, they're singing, but they're having this conversation of talking about like all of the steps that all these people kind of went through to decide this person was considered a witch. And uh, like, it, it is such a beautiful, beautiful song. And I, I'm going to look up the the lyrics, but I, I, I want you to keep reading, Freddie. But uh, once I find it, I'll I'll interrupt and I'll, I'll read the, the lyrics to you guys a little bit to understand what I mean for sure on how on how sad this initial scene even is for sure like this scene is absolutely heartbreaking and then for me as a parent now like that is even more heartbreaking like it's mm-hmm. just like oh my god oh my god but yeah go ahead sorry no you're good uh the zombies are looking at him now and they actually seem to look sad he asks, how could you she was just a child and she's just like him. The zombie responds that he must stop the curse. He expresses that he can speak to the dead and to send them all back to the grave. He said that the book didn't work and it's just a bedtime story. He figured out that it's really just a bedtime story to put her to sleep for another year because she is mm-hmm. a child. He asked why they did right. it. They said that they were scared of her and that they were wrong and they asked for his help. He says that the curse Ugh. is just temporary. It's heartbreaking scene. And yeah, it, it, that that makes it even more heartbreaking is when they realize they were wrong after they're doing. Yeah. yeah. And oh my God. But it's beautifully and, and, portrayed, right? Like it really absolutely. makes you feel empathetic and and uh, yeah, everything about it because like with the artistic approach, you can see just like how... You got a little cut off there, David. I'm not too sure... Freddie, can you hear him? I can't. Okay. He's still talking. Uh, he probably is. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, David, if you can hear us, uh, try to drop out of the call yep. and reconnect. Oh, perfect. He just told us he's going to try to I reconnect. totally heard that. <laughs> As we say that, yeah. he disconnected and reconnected. Perfect, perfect. Um, David, can you can you hear us now? We still can't hear you. Um. Yeah, we can hear you. He just he just hit us up. But uh David, try to fix that. We're gonna Freddie and I are gonna continue going. Uh but see if you could try to go ahead and fix your uh your voice audio or something. Might be your might be your headset. Um but Freddie, I, I actually found those lyrics and uh 
they read they read like this swinging against the wind keeping the noose tight on her skin god will save her her father's lucifer they say Damn. uh does that make it okay sin finds the culprit unexplained circumstances cause people to fear deceive in the act so irrationally up in the bedroom she's seeing ghosts demons in clothes people she knows swear on the bible that earns her their trust fractions of fiction dismissed to start your hunt Damn. and it's it's that's crazy it is so Right, it, it it is, and it's initially it's it's about Abigail, right, and um, and it's so oh my heartbreaking. god, like it is such a heartbreaking line, and there's even another line where it says uh, it's the course and it's burning flesh. Nobody can stand the smell. Capture and torture victims that we're afraid of. Um, fear will sell. Then murder is justified. Now who's the monster? And Whoa. it's it's. Damn, yeah. haunting. It is haunting it's lines. wild. It is wild. And this movie initially reminds me of this song in its entirety. And I would I would highly suggest it. The name of the song is called Hanging Revelation. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to check that out. That gave me goosebumps um, a little bit. But definitely chills. <laughs> like, yeah, it's pretty accurate with this movie. And then it's just sad that like in reality, yeah. this is what happened in the past. Absolutely. For just for people Absolutely. being unexplained and Doing things that people saw as just not normal, just for being different. Exactly. Damn, that was it. Just for being different, man. It always just reminds me of like, oh, if she sinks, yeah, she's normal. It's like, oh, if she floats, though, which it was a lose lose situation right. for most cases, and it's sad to think about. They never had a chance. Right. It's wild. Um, but continuing on, uh, Norman says that the curse is just temporary. They ask him what he will do, and he says, I'm going to talk to her. We cut back to the witch in the sky laughing. The mob continues attacking the building, and we cut back to see Courtney and the other kids trying to survive. Norman appears with the zombies and blasts through the front door. We see the zombies exit, and the policewoman points a gun at them, and Norman steps in front of them. His parents want them to step away, and he, does, and he says, no, you don't understand. The curse is not about the zombies hurting them. It's about the zombies getting hurt by them. As Norman talks, they threaten him of being hung and even burned for working with the dead, which is super sad. Um, oh, yeah. This, they jumped this to very conclusions real quick. Scary scene, especially probably for his parents as well, seeing the mob go this route and being able to, like, having Norman being able to, like, take all of this and still stand up. Um, the mob begins yeah. to go towards Norman and the zombies when Courtney steps up and asks them to leave him alone. Courtney begins to grab Norman's hand, and then Neil grabs his other hand, and then we see his brother join in and even Alvin join in, touching Courtney's butt first and then holding her hand next. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, man. Uh, David, go ahead and see if you could talk. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah welcome back, you. babe. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Sorry no about we'll, that, guys. We'll, we'll try to figure out your recording a little bit later. Don't worry about it. All right, cool. Cool. So now uh, we're at the part where everyone's holding each other's hands, and they all express that they are wrong, and all they want to do is burn and murder stuff. And then they repeat, burn and murder stuff. Stop it. <laughs> uh, and then a random wow. lady from the mob asks, so they're not going to hurt us? Norman says, no, they just <laughs> did something terrible. Nah, because they were scared that they are just like you guys and it's got to stop for good. And I thought that was a great line too, is saying that, no, they're just people who did something terrible 
because they were scared and you guys are pretty much doing the same thing that you guys are trying to do something terrible because they're scared as Dicks. well. It's a good like revelation. And that says a lot too. I mean, even today, right? People still act in that fashion and it's sad to see, but like um it's literally just through the appearance that they're zombies, so we expect them to hurt us. But like dude, everything that you're taught to believe up to whatever point could be wrong and you have to make a decision on your own and make your own you know right being able take, to unlearn take, stuff and then re-evaluate exactly, your perspectives yeah. and stuff like that exactly you said it better, better than i could Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's kind of like what you said it's it's still going on today and we're still learning from it and we're still trying to stop stuff for good and stuff like that so it, yeah. it's good that they touched upon this movie because it's so relevant today as well and then yeah it seems like it probably always will be relevant i think so yeah. Uh, little by little, the mob all start to drop all of their weapons. The little girl from before also hands back the arm she ripped off back to the zombie, which I was like, that's a nice little touch. That's great. Um, did we- yeah, it is. I like that touch a lot. <laughs> it's great. It's like, oh, a little callback of like a little girl that ripped off an arm off the zombie, feels bad, and gives it back. <laughs> Fantastic. I know. But <laughs> hey, that's what we call growth. Go. That's right. <laughs> she learned that she was right. wrong. Especially at an early age. Perfect. Redemption. Uh, uh, An evil screech comes from the from from the sky and her arms, the witch's arms, grabs the statue of the witch and throws it to the ground and also starts breaking stuff around town. That was a great scene too. It looked fantastic. Looks great. Looks beautiful. Uh, Neil asks what they should do. And Courtney says to find her grave and then gives a nice motivational speech about a game and how she was a cheerleader for the unwinnable. Which is like a nice little mm-hmm. touch as well. Uh, Norman asked to, his dad to borrow the car and we cut to his parents driving everyone, including one of the zombies. Driving through the town, they see the mayhem that's still going on around the city. A little bit of bantering happens in the car and the zombie asks the dad to turn left. They turn and see a tornado of the witch and the, the mom says oh do you think that might be it and then we cut to them going into the forest uh as they walk i love this it's fantastic because the visuals is so great that just like a tornado spinning into the ground and oh my god we start to realize it's like yeah they're going the right way they're going to like where the end of the movie is essentially going to be and stuff like that right it's like it's crazy that, that extra climax right it's and I'll I'll talk about it when we get into that part. It, it feels like a final boss level of a like a video game, which is great. It it does, yeah, yeah very much so. Uh, as they walk into the forest, the trees start to come alive, separating Norman from all of his parents and everyone else. He then proceeds to go alone. Norman gets closer to where the tomb is and says hello. In response, the witch says that he's not welcome here and to go away. He says that he wants to speak with her and introduces himself to her. He explains that he knows that she is Agatha, uh, Agi for short, and that it's late and that they are only 11 years old. That's when she gets really mad and starts to zoom into Norman's ear and whispers, I don't want to fall asleep and you can't make me. This was the fucking coolest thing ever. Yeah, so that And it was so scary. For sure. That moment of the camera panning in or not even panning zooming in on uh norman's, norman's ear. ear uh because right they're 
you know, he's several feet away from the tree that her voice is coming from. Right. And he's trying to reason with her like, hey, like, you might want to like chill with this cursed stuff. You must be tired, right? And you just want to go to sleep. And that quick zoom in just to his ear and you just hear this faint whisper. And it's just so great. It gives that creepy vibe. And it's like, oh, this is not just a little girl anymore. This has become something else. Um, Very much an evil entity. It escalates from there. And what happens from here on made me hate how much I love this movie. But in reality, I love how much I love it. Because (laughs) the design from this point onward, my God, it's like... It's crazy. It's, like, oh, just it's a final so boss good. level. It appeals sure. to me. Yeah, it appeals to me specifically. Everything that they've done from this point onward, it's just, wow. It's like, they're like, how can we make a scene that David would just think is fucking incredible? <laughs> right. It gave me... They did this just for you, David. Yep. It gave me like um, Dragon Ball Z vibes when he's trying to like battle yeah. someone. I don't, I don't know. Oh, what the... It, yeah, it was sure. just like yeah, so much a lot going of, on. There's yeah, a lot of like grounds breaking and shit. Cold. Yeah, there's spiky hair. Yeah. <laughs> like, but it's just a really cool design. For sure. <laughs> so as that happens, wooden spikes start to burst out of the ground as Norman tries to run towards the unmarked grave towards the tree. He somehow manages to get past all of the spikes and reaches the grave. Then the tornado lowers into the ground quickly and we see that the witch is floating in this glowing yellow electricity and even glitches and twitches and you see her split apart a few times. Man, the design and her is voice crazy. is also distorting with it. Yeah. Oh my god. Great like design. It is the sound design, the the visuals, absolutely stunning right here. It's just it's it's so phenomenally done. And that's the thing, like I don't think stop motion would have been able to pull this off. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, but this love, needed to be a 3D animated portion here. But I love that they combine the two, right? It, it's beautiful. It melds per, per, so perfectly together. I agree. Yeah. Uh, she begins to start attacking Norman, knocking him down several times. She asks him to leave her alone. He says no. He starts telling the story of a little girl who is different, that she could see things that many other people feared. And that's what they feared about her. She yells that she doesn't like this story. He continues to say that she became sad and lonely and had nowhere to turn. With rage, she yells stop it and bursts into an explosion and slowly rises out of the ground again. He gets back up and continues to tell the girl to turn away f- that she was turned away from people because they were scared of her. And she did something terrible. That even though she died, she would come back again for 300 years. And the longer she stayed, the less of the little girl she would become. She starts to scream and the ground begins to break. She said that she will make uh, him suffer and he asks why. He says that she wants people to suffer because they hurt her. She explains that she wanted everyone to see how rotten they were. At this point, the ground is gone and Norman is hopping on floating rocks to get to her. He explains that she's just like them and is a bully. As he's climbing a branch, she says no and I'm I'm not, and breaks the branch that he's stepping on, uh, climbing on. He starts to levitate towards a tree, and then gets smashed against it several times, and then falls. This was brutal. brutal. Yeah, I know. I like, have to was, agree. That was violent. Yeah, what I was like, when I saw this, I was like, yikes, like, 
girl. Like, I thought you were just trying to put on a show, but you're actually trying to hurt hey, him. Like, you're really trying to hurt this kid. Like, yeah. like it, that was brutal. And it stays like that for a while. It happens over and over again. It it's happens still, like three or four yeah. times. Yeah. Man. And he even gets knocked out slightly from it, yeah, too. He, he's phased mm-hmm. by it and starts to fall. Um, he gets caught on a branch and then continues. And even though she said something awful, she can stop. He says that there must have been someone that loved you and cared for you. She says to leave her alone again. And he says that she's not alone and has to remember. He grabs her hand and then we flash to white. We see the witch as a little girl again. And Norman and her are standing in a beautiful forest. She says her name and remembers her mom bringing her once to those woods and told her stories. Then that those terrible men took her away and she never saw her again. Heartbreaking. Yeah, it was pretty sad. He explains that when people get scared, they say and do terrible things. That she got scared that she forgot who she is. I don't think you're a witch, not really. That she's a kid with something special. She's asked about the people who hurt him and if he wants to see them suffer. He says, well, yeah, but what good would that do? Just because there are bad people, that doesn't mean there aren't any good ones. He explains that there are that there will be and there always will be someone out there for them. She says she wants her mommy. That conversation was so heartbreaking. At least for me. I don't know about 100%. you guys. No, that that shit hits, man. Yeah, for real. I mean, yeah, yeah that, it's sad because like it really it puts to face how young she was and she was condemned to death, right? Right. Um and not only that, but her soul didn't get to move on. Um, right. I mean, you because she she initially about, placed that curse, yeah, to where she needed to fulfill it. And right. you think about like it's the three hundredth anniversary, and you think about the weight of that of being like an eleven year old child spirit for three hundred years, and not only that, but having this vengeance, but also like being forced to slumber through it. So I don't know. It, it's sad, and it's just like that child it mentality is. where she's like. I just want my mom towards the end of that conversation too, which is heartbreaking because Norman's then apologizes and says that she's gone, which is even more heartbreaking. Um, That's what she asked. Maybe that helps her. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Maybe that's what helps her just let go of the curse and just be like, if she's gone, then I can move on to be with her. Exactly. Yeah. Because that's, that's pretty much what she says. Now, she asks about the story he was telling and how it does end. And he says, it's up to you. Uh, she begins to touch the tree and then asks if they were, if that's where she was buried. And, and he responds, yeah, it's a pretty good place to sleep. Says that she can be with her mother again. They both sit by the tree as she closes her eyes. Her spirit begins to float away and everything else around him begins to float away as well. We cut back to the city hall and see that the zombies are decomposing into their spirit forms. And then they begin to disappear as well. I think this is where it's like it's very beautiful to see that it's finally over, essentially. That she found peace with that. And that she realizes yeah. that she doesn't have to make other people suffer because of what she got through. That there's always going to be some good in the world and other people who are good too. And learn to just rest in peace and join her mother and having the spirits right. learn their lesson and essentially be free from the curse as well. Just, yeah. Uh, the curse have been lifted, and Norman says, sleep tight. 
Krista. Uh, his- I honestly, I was like, that's such a beautiful way. Like they send her off. I mean, even though it's yeah. like a an animated movie with fictional characters, or sorry, a three D animated stop motion movie with fictional characters. Um, it's just beautiful to see her send off, right? Because it's like we, we've only known of the character of uh, Abigail for such a short time, but it's like it was so fulfilling just to watch her be able to move on. Yeah, 100%. absolutely. Uh, his parents run up and embraces him and congratulate him. We come back to the town with everyone talking about what happened. Courtney asks Mitch's, uh, Mitch, Neil's brother, to watch a movie with her. He says that you're going to love my boyfriend and he's a total chick flick nut. And that's when we see for 100% that he is gay, which is great. Love that. And he's so confident about it. It's like, yeah, oh, you're going to love my boyfriend. Earlier. He's a total chick flick yeah. nut. Love that. Love and she's it. just in shock, which it. is hilarious. <laughs> uh, Norman comes up to Neil and says thanks. He asks Norman if things will go back to normal. And he says as normal as it could be. We transition through a TV screen to a news reporter talking about what happened, which is a great transition scene. It's fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, I agree. Norman changes it back to a zombie movie. Of course. Why not? It's a full circle back to the beginning of the movie. That's right. Um, That is right. We see his dad walk into the living room and and we get to see his uh, grandma on the couch as well, knitting. He asks if grandma is here and he shakes his head yes. He says hi to the mom, and they both smile. The rest of the family joins in, <laughs> and we cut to black to the credits. I Man. love how he says it too. He's like, "Hi, mom," and like yeah. she like looks at Norman like, "What the fuck?" Like, <laughs> like, like <laughs> yeah, that's perfect, honestly. <laughs> I love it. What a movie, man. What a movie, guys. It's fantastic. This yeah. movie rules. I like, love this fucking like movie. Like I said, yeah, dude, I, I love how much I love this movie. It was, I think overall, you know, not being a horror fan, not being a stop motion fan. I'm not saying that I'm not, but I'm saying like if you were not one, uh, not being a, yeah. ki- a kid's movie fan, it's overall just a good, solid film. Right. It's it's very Absolutely. rounded. Yeah, it it is it is beautifully done. I mean, the animation is damn near it's top tier. That animation is like really, really, really well done. Uh, to be honest, like I think it's probably some of my favorite animation that I've seen. And, and granted, it's yeah. not like Pixar level, but at the same time, I still think it looks better than Pixar because it it knows where to be cartoonish. And like yeah. it, like I feel like with Pixar, it's trying to be a little too real sometimes, and it's just like nope. Like this knows where to be cartoonish. It knows where to step back and kind of let its uh, let it relax, you know, with the animation, and, and it looks fun. Like the initially, the team that worked on this looked like they had fun working yeah. on this. So, yeah. it, it like this this doesn't look like this was work. This looked like they were just like we are stoked to make this fucking movie. Like yes, let's make this movie. I, I completely agree. This movie is made with a lot of passion for horror films and for the subject matter that they're trying to get across because they, they nailed it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, they really did. They really, really did. Well, you guys ready for some movie facts? Movie facts? <laughs> uh, we got some good ones. So the first one would be animating the cheesy horror film that Norman is watching at the first start of the movie was extremely difficult for the filmmakers because they had to <laughs> intentionally make a bad film with bad camera angles, poor focus, Bad acting and etc. <laughs> while still walking in the very technically demanding confines of stop motion animation. 
So that was probably oh, one of the man. hardest things to do was to make a bad movie in a great movie, which I love. That's awesome. <laughs> um, they used 3D printers to generate all of the different faces needed for the characters, except for the zombies, which had mechanical faces with silicone skins. That's crazy to think about. Oh, so that's pretty cool. The zombies were mechanical with silicone skin. That's pretty cool. That is wild. Uh, they also generated the 3D effects with using a Canon 5D Mark II camera that was mounted on a special rig that would take one shot, then slide to a slightly different viewpoint to take another shot. Very interesting. Clever. Uh, this, sadly, was the last film Elaine Stretch was in before her death on July 17th, 2014, yeah. who played the grandma. She nailed it, though. She absolutely Yeah, she did. She did a great job. And she She had a good purpose in the movie as well. She wasn't, like, an unnecessary character. She drove Norman's, like, reason to go through with what he was doing, which was great. Yeah. Yeah. She was a huge actress, too. Like, she she came from, like, 30 Rock, Two's Company. Uh, She was was big time. I even think she was in Law & Order for a while, too. Yeah. But uh, she was was such a large actress. And, like, man, when I – after that, like, I was – I remember seeing this movie. And when I heard of her passing, I was like, wow. Like, she was was well done. Like, a a beautiful send-off, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, let me see what else. And then, we, of course, we got the throwbacks that we kind of touched upon. Uh, Norman's ringtone is the Halloween movie theme song, of course. Hell yeah. Uh, we also see that the the movie that Norman is watching, the scary movie, the actress is modeled after Jamie Lee Curtis in 1978's The Halloween. That's right. Man. She looks just like her. True. They, they nailed that, too. Uh, mm-hmm. Fun fact. Yeah. Uh, Norman and Mitch never talk in this movie. To each other. Very interesting. Which makes sense. Huh. Uh, <laughs> this is... Okay, so we, we have a couple of casting Wait. fun facts. But yeah, go ahead. Mitch is Neil's uh, brother, right? Yes. Yeah, they never physically okay. talk to each other. Damn. Uh, yeah, it took me a minute. I was like, Wait, really? I was like, Oh, damn. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll give you guys a... F- they talk at each other, though. <laughs> That's true. But they never physically... Or- vocally talk to each other or respond right. to each other i guess yeah so a couple casting that could have happened we have jason bateman was considered for mitch which is interesting um mm. i think casey affleck was a good choice it. yeah yeah casey affleck did, did, did a good job we had i think bill Hader was supposed to be on this too Yep. I, I'm not too yep. sure. I have it right here. Bill Hader was also considered. Oh, for really? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, because I think he was supposed to be a part of this too. Yeah. Yeah. There's some big cast members here. Uh, Allison Brie was considered to play Sandra, which is the mom. Um, we have Jack Black, who was considered for Perry. That would have been fun. Kind of interesting. Yeah, that would have been good. Uh, we have Anne Hathaway that was considered to be the role of Courtney, the sister. That's funny. Um, we have Renee Zellweger to play Sandra as well. Renee Zellweger? Yeah. Uh, And Amanda Mm. Seyfried also to play Courtney. Not bad. I can see that. For sure. I can see that, actually. And there's not much other fun facts besides, yes, the wordplay of paranormal comes from paranormal. Not really a fun fact, (laughs) but yeah. Whoa. No way. I never thought of that. (laughs) Who knew? 
Um, okay. Uh, during the last few weeks leading up to the film's release, uh, Laka sent 49 packages to 49 people. Uh, each package consisted of a wooden crate from Bliff Hollow full of grave dirt, which re- res- recipients had to dig through to unearth a coffin. Inside the coffin was one of seven cursed zombies, and the complete with a background information and name of those zombies. Damn. That's pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. I want one. There's only four. That's pretty out interesting. There. Might have to pick that up. But that's <laughs> pretty much it. That's all the fun facts I got for you guys. Awesome. Oh man, that was that was a blast. I enjoy this one a ton. Same. And uh, yeah, I can't believe I rented it. Hit up Apple, and I was like, "Nope, I wanted to buy this. Give my money <laughs> back so my I can money, buy it. Let me buy it." Dude. Yeah, and it's exactly. it has rewatchability too. You can rewatch this movie several times and still get a good totally. kick out of it. I was like, Halloween comes around, I'm gonna watch this. It's <laughs> like next week That's comes awesome. around, I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any final thoughts, you guys? No, that's all I had, my friend. Same here. Well, I enjoyed then. it. Ready? You did a great job Thank hosting you. this one. Ty, ty. Uh, you did. You did. And I just want to say, this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts. Before you do that, yep. actually, what uh, what else can uh, we actually do over on Twitter? Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, please let us know what you guys think. Reach us out on Twitter. We would love to hear your guys' feedback. If you want to reach us out, uh, just hit us up. We'll have our links down below in the show notes. Um, but yeah. Is that right? At Good Night Life. <laughs> At Good Night Life. And that's, that's for what? Okay. <laughs> um, now, what was this? What, 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 what did they listen to? Podcast? What are you going to listen to? I'm pretty sure it was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. <laughs> I was one of your hosts, Freddie, also known as Nighty Night. Alongside me, we had Prince. Whoop, whoop. Spoon Boys is out. Also known as Headlight. And on the other side, we had David. I still keep thinking you're going to say your name is Prince. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it will happen. Also known as Nightly. Uh, our efforts to get our show is not <laughs> to get our show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us with five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend the show to someone that would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over at Patreon slash forward uh, good night life, and that's night with a what? Okay. By pledging on Patreon, you will receive access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode will release every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And thank you for everyone for listening in. And this was Nightlight. And remember to, and remember everybody, don't forget your nightlight. <laughs>